Welcome back, MTN Nets podcast. I've seen enough from Jacques Vaughn. That's it. That was the worst display of coaching I've seen as a Nets fan in almost 20 years of being a fan. I have never seen a coach sell a game that badly. If you watched a game, you know what I'm talking about. For those who didn't watch, the Nets were in overtime. There was 11 seconds left. Dennis Smith Jr. got called for a reach and foul. The ball went off of Jimmy Butler's leg, went out of bounds. And on replay, and Dennis Smith Jr., by the way, was telling the bench to review it, review it, you know. Nets only had one timeout left. So I get, okay, maybe you want to preserve that timeout. You're only up by one point. Butler would go to the line for two free throws, right? So they probably should have challenged that play because even if you do challenge it, you still have time in the huddle to draw up a play on the offensive side. But instead of challenging it, Jock Vaughn lets it go. Of course, Butler goes on to make the free throws, puts the heat up by one, 96-95 with, you know, 11 seconds left. They still have that one timeout. And you're thinking, okay, well, Jock Vaughn didn't use that timeout because he wants to set up an offensive play and advance the ball. He doesn't use the timeout. He doesn't use the timeout. So then the Nets freestyle this. They inbound under their own basket. And Mikael Bridges just dribbles dribbles left-handed, puts up this ridiculous fadeaway shot that had no chance of going in, airballs it, and that's the game. Worst coaching I've ever seen. You know, thank God I am not taking Nets losses that hard this year because the expectations are so low. It's like that meme, like, you know, what what's the meme? It's it's like my my expectations were low, but holy F, you know, like th- this is ridiculous. I just can't believe this. And I'm not confident they're going to fire Jock Vaughn. They probably won't. They're still paying Steve Nash. I doubt they want to pay three coaches. Like, you know, at this point, I'd rather just see Kevin Ollie be the head coach and just, you know, send Jack Vaughn packing. But at this point, I think Vaughn's under contract for like two or three more years. And they did this to themselves last year for whatever reason. And here's where we are. So th- this was just an awful loss. They were up 14 points at halftime. 14 points at halftime. They held the heat. They held the heat to 31 points in the first half. So while the shots were not going in offensively, you could at least hang your hat on that they were playing great defense. They were finally switching. The closeouts were great. The rebounding was pretty good for the most part. I mean, second half, it got kind of bad. But um, the first half defense was great. Outside of the third quarter, Miami did not score over 20 in any of the other three quarters. I mean, like, the Nets did a great job defensively tonight. They really did. But it goes to waste. They don't get this win, and they had this. They were up, like, four points in overtime. Uh, I think they were up five at one point, right? Yeah, because Cam made the layup to start out overtime. Then Royce hit that three. I'm pretty sure they're up by five at one point in overtime. So this should have been a win numerous times. They find a way to blow it. Whether it was Jock Vaughn being an idiot and saving his timeout for no reason. Like, maybe Jock Vaughn thinks that the timeout carries over to next game, but newsflash, buddy, it doesn't. So what the hell were you doing? So, you have that. The Nets miss their most three-pointers ever in a game in Nets history. And that was before overtime. So not even including overtime. The Nets miss their most three-pointers in any game in NBA or in, in Nets history. Not NBA. Um... And I want to see how many threes they missed. I might do some quick math here. But I think the number was like 41 or 42. 
They were 12 for 55. So what's that, 43? I think that's 43, right? Yeah. The Nets missed 43 three-pointers tonight. That's a franchise record. So they were 12 for 55. The Heat were not much better. They were 8 for 31. So if the Nets just had a mediocre shooting night, they'd probably win this game by like 10-plus. But due to them having a historically, and I mean historically bad shooting night, they find themselves as the losers in this game. I know I'm supposed to say, like, you know, let's get into it, blah, 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 but we're just going to keep going. So, obviously, like, yeah, this is frustrating, and I don't see Jock Vaughn going anywhere. Maybe he does, but this team has been so bad lately. Um, I meant to make a, a video after the um, the game in France on Thursday. I just didn't do it, but that was embarrassing. Like, that first half felt so bad. They did make it a game in the second half that cut it to, like, Oh, I don't know, like eight points or so, but the Cavs were in full control for pretty much the entire game. Just to take a, a macro view of this team, I, I want to take a look at their record over the past X amount of games. So since that win at Phoenix, which was nice, it, it was against KD, um, that team has a bunch of picks that belong to us in the future, so obviously we want the Suns to be bad in the future. So the Nets won that game on December 13th to go 13-10. and 10. And we're all sitting here saying, hey, this has been a pretty fun year so far. You know, it sucks that the superstars are not here and the championship aspirations are not here. But we still have a fun team and they're winning games and they're playing hard. But ever since that moment, they lost five straight games after that. They won back-to-back -back versus the Pistons, and thank God for that. Then they lost five more in a row. So they lost 10 out of 12 there. And then they've lost three of their past four. They had that random win versus Oklahoma City last time they played them, which was the last time I made a video. So overall, I think they've lost like 13 of their last 15 games or 13 of their last 16 or, or something. Like, it's horrible. This team has been arguably the worst team in basketball the past two, three weeks. I saw the Pistons won again today. Um, so even they are not looking as much of an embarrassment as they once were. But this team has too much talent to be this bad. I know that the over-under for this team was 37.5 wins, and some of, us, some of us thought that was low. Some of us thought that was maybe too high, but it seemed like a pretty good number. I expected like somewhere in the high 30s for wins, like 38, 39. But this team, man, I don't even know if they're going to get to 30 this year. Like This is just a horrible team right now, and... You know, things can change. The trade deadline can change a lot. And the Nets are in the rumors to, to get DeJounte Murray, which I guess we'll talk about that later. But this season has a chance to really go off the rails. It's games like this where you had it and you should have won it and you just let it get away. I mean, this team has had some bad losses lately. They had that loss versus the Wizards on December 29th, which really, that was the first loss that really frustrated me. You know, they had that, the loss the game before that was against Milwaukee when they benched everybody. But they've had games like like the overtime game versus Portland. Like, that's a game they should have won. Um, tonight, obviously, they should have won. Like, they're just letting these games get away from them. And they're not a good enough team to just let games slip away like that. So, anyway. It just also annoys me because Miami did not shoot that well. Hawkes was out. Kevin Love was out. That might have been it. But still, like, you know. I know Jimmy Butler, he missed like seven straight games. Of course, he returned for tonight's game. And he 
was really, he was really good in this game. He was 8 for 12, 15 of 16 at the line for uh, 31 points. So, yeah, Jimmy was great in this game, and so was Tyler Hero, who kept making those damn floaters. Um, he had 29 in this game on 11 of 22 shooting, and he had 11 rebounds too. Wow. Bam had 20 rebounds, but Bam shot horribly. He was 5 of 17. I think one of his mid-range shots went in. The rest were just terrible. Um but, like, outside of that, nobody on Miami did anything. It's like those three guys, and even Bam did not play that well on the offensive side. You go to Brooklyn, and you have Dorian Finney-Smith, who wasn't that good in this game. Defensively, he was fine, but just did not add much else. Had seven rebounds. He did shoot one of five from three. He was one of six overall, only five points. Cam Johnson. I hate to say it, but this guy is this guy is light skinned Joe Harris. He is. I mean, until he proves me otherwise, this man is light skinned Joe Harris. He's been awful. I'm gonna look at his game logs because I feel like in the last couple weeks this man has been atrocious, and I don't even want to look at how much money he makes because it is a crazy amount of money. But the last like last game versus Cleveland, he was one for seven, one for five from three, and gave us three points. The win versus OKC, he was 3 for 15, 3 of 10 from 3, not as bad, but just horrible shooting games lately. He was 5 for 11 versus Portland, had 17 points, but 3 of the past 4 games for Cam Johnson have been awful, and I just don't like what I see right now. He just feels like Joe Harris. He feels like the not good version of Joe Harris, like the Joe Harris post two ankle surgeries, one that was botched, Joe Harris. Like, this is not good. So Cam Johnson gets an F tonight. Mikael Bridges was, like, okay. The efficiency was not great, 10 for 24, 2 for 10 from 3. He did make two big foul shots at the end, but um, his three-pointers are still short. His legs are not under him. I mean, they're not going to bench him, so it just is what it is. Not even worth harping on. Nine rebounds, six assists, had 26 points, so that was good, but just missed too many shots. He's got to make these three-pointers, and obviously he's coming up short on a lot of them. Nick Claxton had 43 minutes, four of nine. He missed one jump shot. At least he took one. I think the the shot clock ran down, but at least he took a jumper. 14 rebounds, two assists, two blocks, had an incredible block at the end, which maybe was goaltending, but they didn't call it. But it, it was like a play where... He really came out of nowhere. It was a big play in the game. Somehow, some guy on the Heat got open on the baseline, and it looked like an easy layup, and Claxon came out of nowhere and blocked him at the last second. So it's a great block, but um, unfortunately, they did not win. Nine points for Claxton, so just missed a double-double. He did make his one foul shot. Spencer Dinwiddie. His time here is coming to an end. I just can't imagine Dinwiddie being on this roster through the trade deadline. It just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. 20 minutes tonight, one of six, all three-pointers, three steals, that's nice, um, two fouls, a minus 13, only three points total. So he has been checked out. He has not played in the fourth quarter the last two games. It just does not look good for him. So I think Dinwiddie's just been checked out for a while now. You know, the first couple weeks of the year, even like the first month of the year, I was liking what I saw from him. But I just, I think he's checked out. Like, I just don't think he wants to be here at this point. And it's just not, like, especially when Ben Simmons comes back and you have an extra ball handler, which, 
you know, whenever Ben Simmons gets back, we'll see. I'm still not counting on it, but based on his TikTok and some other quotes, it seems like it's coming soon, but I don't know when. But uh, yeah, Dinwiddie's time here seems to be pretty, um, pretty limited. So it's been a good run, Spencer, but there, this is just not the team for you, and I don't think he wants to be here. Royce O'Neal played pretty well. He was 5 of 10, all three-point shots, no surprise. Had nine rebounds, five assists, one block, and he made some big shots. He did make that big overtime three-pointer. Uh, I think he made a big shot in the late fourth quarter. I mean, he was good tonight. I really can't complain about Royce. He played good defense from what I saw. Watford barely played. Not much to say there. I remember he missed one layup. DSJ is getting more minutes, 32 minutes, 3 of 8. He was 1 of 4 from 3. He was a big spark plug in the late first quarter, or it might have been early second quarter. But um, DSJ was awesome the moment he got in this game today. Like, his intensity was very high, playing great defense. There was one possession early where he forced a steal just by playing, like, close defense near half court. Like, I feel like the guy who had the ball was not even expecting it, and DSJ forced a bad pass and then got a turnover. So he brought great energy tonight. He had five rebounds. He had five assists. He had four steals, and he had one block. So a great game by DSJ. He was three for eight, so it wasn't the best shooting day, but um, we've come to expect that, sadly. But yeah, he was a plus 10, which I believe was the best on the team. So he he was definitely a positive tonight. Another positive, and I would say probably the you know first or second best player for this team tonight, was Cam Thomas. He played 32 minutes. I wish he played more down the stretch, and like he did play in overtime. Like I, I do, I can admit that. But I feel like you just knew this wasn't Cam Johnson's night. I wish Cam Thomas came in for Cam Johnson a bit earlier in the fourth quarter because they were really struggling for offense at one point. And they also really struggled for offense in like the first seven or eight minutes. I think Cam Thomas came in the game and DSJ at the four-minute mark in the first quarter. So they sat the first eight minutes of the game and they looked awful. There was nothing going on offensively. And then DSJ and Cam Thomas came in. And what do you know, the team really picked it up from there. Scoring more, getting more turnovers. And I'm at a point now where I personally want to see Cam Thomas run point. I just feel like there's nothing to lose. This team ain't going anywhere. You might as well try and develop him into a point guard and see if it works. Kind of just... like. I don't want to say make him James Harden on the Houston Rockets because, like, that's crazy. And I don't want to compare anybody to that. But give him, like, a similar role where you hand him the keys of the offense and say, here, you're our point guard. You're the guy that's going to have the ball in his hands for majority of the time. You know, make the right reads, make the right passes, take the right shots, take high percentage looks, get to the line. And, and be our guy. But for some reason, the Nets don't want to do that. They keep rolling out Spencer Dinwiddie for whatever reason. Um, I get they have to play him to kind of keep his trade value up, but just trade him. Like, what the hell are we waiting for? At this point, like, just trade his ass. Um, but I think the more likely thing that happens is they probably put DSJ in the starting lineup. But I don't know if that's worth it either. Like, I prefer Cam Thomas once again. So I don't know what they're going to do, but... This whole Dinwiddie starting thing, I'm just over it, and it's time to move on. So, yeah, Cam Thomas was 32 minutes, 7 of 20 from the field, 2 of 10 from 3. 
And that includes that big missed three-pointer at the end of regulation where I forget what the score was. I think they might have been down two or whatever, but might have been tied. I forget. But, yeah, he missed it. And um, that probably would have put the game away. But he made all his foul shots. He was 7 of 7. He made four clutch foul shots at the end. So that was great to see. Two rebounds, three assists, had two turnovers. He did make a dangerous pass in overtime to DSJ, but he was able to get that away from uh, from Bam. But yeah, it was a it was a pretty good game from Cam Thomas. Like without him, they'd probably lose this game by a lot. So you know it was good to see him out there and being confident and taking the ball to the rim. He had a great bucket, the first bucket of overtime. And he made some impressive shots tonight. I think he started out this game like four for four, and he was very hot from the beginning. Kind of cooled off after that, but still, he was definitely a positive tonight. Lonnie Walker, only nine minutes, which I get he's still on like this minutes restriction, but nine minutes is crazy. Like I think he played like over 20 against the um, the Cavs in Paris, so... Why did it go back to nine minutes? I don't know. He wasn't good in this game. He was 0 for 3, 0 points, 2 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 block. But still, like Lonnie Walker, we know he's a bucket. Like he's one of the few guys that can actually score on this team. Wasn't like Cam Johnson or Dim when he was doing anything. So, yeah, that part was frustrating. I wish he played more, but it is what it is. Um, No Dayron, still injured. Harry Giles, of course, was a coach's DMP. And, yeah, it's just they should have won this game. And as I said, it it doesn't really bother me as much as it used to. Like, I'm kind of numb to it at this point. But, you know, I'd rather win than lose. You don't have your own draft pick. There's no reason to root for losses. I think the only reason to root for Nets losses is to, like, get Jock Vaughn fired. But is it really going to happen at this point? Like, I, I don't know. Um. The Nets had four more offensive rebounds, but the Heat had 48 total rebounds compared to the Nets' 41. And there was a possession in overtime where Miami like missed a three, and the ball got batted out. And I remember, I think it was Caleb Martin like dove on the floor. It led to an open three for Caleb Martin. He missed it. And then Tyler Hero had another ball kicked out to him, and he missed it. So like the Nets got very lucky on that possession, but... You know, Tyler Hero, like, the next possession came down and made a three. Um, So what else? I mean, Nets had four more steals. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Four more assists, three more steals, five more blocks. Only eight turnovers total. Like, that's a really good number. The Heat had 13. The Nets had one less point on fast breaks. Points in the paint was exactly the same, 40 apiece. The Nets had a 16-point lead in this game. The Heat had a five-point lead. That was their largest. So, I mean, once again, just you can't lose that game. You really can't. I mean, these teams shot horribly, right? You look at the field goal percentage, the Heat were at 37%. The Nets were at 34. Three-pointers, the Nets were at 21. The Heat were at 25. It was very ugly. So, all it took was a mediocre shooting night, and the Nets probably win this game by, like, 10 or more. But unfortunately, that's just not how it goes. This team is obviously playing terrible right now, and that's just what happens. It feels like it's a snowball effect, and one bad thing leads to another, and here we are sitting at uh, 16-23. and So I guess we'll address the DeJounte Murray stuff. I believe Murray signed a contract pretty recently. And, you know, part of me is like, just get him because, like, what else is this team doing right now? Like, this team has no direction. At least if you get DeJounte Murray, um, 
it could at least like be a move that works towards something and maybe the nets have like this like evil genius plan which isn't even that evil genius but maybe like their plan is to get DeJounte Murray pair him with Mikael Bridges and then in the summer they make a run for um for Donovan Mitchell and that could be the nets like quote unquote big 3 which is a pretty pathetic big 3 but you know if they have a team next year of Mitchell, DeJounte and Bridges and whoever like that team can probably be like a four or five, six seed or something. But, you know, it's still not a championship level roster, which is what I want, obviously. And, you know, we as Nets fans have been teased the past few years with teams that were very high in like the championship odds. And obviously the Nets never got that close, just the second round. But now we're at a point where like I feel like our best option is to kind of play for like the fourth or fifth seed. And at that point, like, is it even worth it? So, I don't know. They might as well get DeJounte. I'm looking here. It's a four-year, $64 million deal. For some reason, the internet's not loading. I want to see, like, the exact details of it because that'd be nice to see. But, yeah, I like DeJounte. Like, defensively, we know DeJounte is a plus. I mean, they said the same thing about Mikael Bridges, and he didn't turn out to be that great. But DeJounte, for the most part, actually, no, he's at the end of this contract. I don't know why I thought he was on a new contract. So, yeah, he's in the end of a four-year, $64 million deal, and he signed an extension with Atlanta for four years, $114 million. So he's owed basically, like, between 25 and 30 million for the next four years he'll be 28 29 30 31 so you're getting him for his prime basically um like maybe it is worth it i don't know like i kind of like his game he's a nice you know uh, pull-up game and he can he was like one of the leaders in assist i believe one year like when he was in san antonio he was good at like being a facilitator which his team absolutely needs so you know it's probably not the worst thing but DeJounte Murray obviously is not like the sexiest name in like the uh, the trade markets. But let me see. Um, he led the league in steals that year. Assist, he had 9.2 assists per game his last year in San Antonio. He was an all-star, 25 years old, 21 points per game. Um, he shot 46% from the field. He had 32% from three. But this year he's shooting 39% from three. So that's good. But, you know. Not known as a three-point shooter, of course. More of that mid-range and, and finishing at the rim type of guy. But, um, but yeah, I like his game. It'd be a nice fit. It's an improvement. It makes the roster better. Me, personally, I don't want to give up, like, a high pick for him. If it's, like, a like a late first-round pick or something, then, like, fine. I can deal with that. I think we have Phoenix's pick next year. Like, if you want to give them the Phoenix pick for next year... Not the ones beyond that, but like just that one Phoenix pick for next year and whoever else they need, like Dinwiddie or whoever the fuck, like whoever. Um, but just that one Suns pick for next year, because I'm assuming the Suns will still have Booker and Durant and Beal next year. So they're not going to bottom out. So the Suns pick next year will probably be somewhere lower than 20. Like it's not going to be like the most valuable pick. So if it's that pick and Dinwiddie and whoever else, like. Just make that work. Like, I'm fine with that type of trade, but don't give up, like, the 2027 or 2028 picks. Like, that would really piss me off. So, stay away from that. But if it's next year's Suns pick, I can live with that. For Ben Simmons, this team misses him. They've missed him for a while. 
Um, I get Ben Simmons is a meme and the workout videos like piss us off at this point. But the sad reality is that this Nets team absolutely misses Ben Simmons and they were much better and more fun to watch when he was playing. Because at least when Ben Simmons played, there was a reason to be excited when Ben Simmons would make a play and you're thinking, okay, maybe Ben Simmons is back. And I'm sure after his latest injury our confidence has dropped even more but watching ben simmons earlier in the season it was like hey i see some flashes he looks like the same guy he used to be but it just doesn't last so hopefully he can just come back this time stay healthy for the final whatever it is 40 games whatever the hell's left and you know end on a high note and hopefully build up his trade value in the offseason which i'm assuming the nets will flip him somewhere unless they just have nobody else to acquire and they just keep him on the roster. But I don't know. I'm kind of past the whole Ben Simmons thing. I want to move on, but um, I'm not going to attach like a first round pick. So if his value is that low, then just ride it out. But we'll see what happens in the summer. But more importantly, we got to see how he closes out this year. Anyway, I think that'll do it. Horrific job by Jock Vaughn tonight. It was almost like he wanted to lose that game. But nothing surprises me anymore, and it is what it is. So I'll talk to you guys. Let's see. When is the next best time to make a reaction? They have a West Coast trip coming up. So on Wednesday, today's Monday, really? Oh, God. Oh, it is Monday. Damn. So anyway, um, Wednesday, they're at Portland. Then they're at the Clippers. No, then they're at the Lakers. Then they're at the Clippers. So a three-game West Coast trip from Wednesday to Sunday. And the Lakers don't look good right now. Portland, they're they're Portland. They're not that good. I think they've been horrible lately. Um, so two of those games seem winnable. I don't expect this team to beat L.A. I don't think the Nets have beaten Harden since he's left. Actually, they beat him that one time, the first game against him. But since then, like I feel like this group has not played well versus him, whether it was the Sixers teams or the Clippers teams. So actually, no, they beat them last time. What the hell am I saying? Anyway, yeah, they beat the Clippers the first time, but that was like Harden's second game as a Clipper, and they were figuring shit out. But obviously, like if you don't keep up with the uh, the Clippers, they've been amazing lately. I think they lost yesterday to the T Wolves, but they've been just they were like on a seventeen and three stretch at one point. So they've been playing much better basketball. Then the Nets come home after that for the Knicks, the Timberwolves, Houston, Utah, Phoenix. Katie makes his return. Um, it's gonna get rough. It is. The Nets are like a bottom five team in the league. They shouldn't be. Like, they have too much talent to be this bad. But unfortunately, our coaches give us no advantage whatsoever. And at least now they finally started playing, like, better defense and, like, changing their defensive scheme a bit. Like, the best part about Nick Claxton is his, like, ability to switch on any position. And the Nets were playing drop coverage with um, Nick Claxton the entire year. They're finally letting him switch more, which makes a whole lot more sense. But still, it's, like, not enough. Like, in the past they were doing it. Like, Nick Claxton was in defensive player of the year conversations last year. He didn't get any votes, I don't think. But he was in the conversation because he was switching on the people and was one of the better perimeter defenders in the league. But now with this drop coverage shit, like you don't even use Nick Claxton to his maximum advantage, which your job as a coach is to use the strengths of your players and get the the max out of your players. And this whole Jock Vaughn drop coverage thing has basically 
brought out the minimum of Nick Claxton. Like, we saw it last year. He was great. And now on defense, it's just like he's another guy. So hopefully more switching in the future. Um, We saw some zone tonight. We saw some trapping. The trapping actually kind of worked at times. But then we also saw the game versus Portland a couple games ago where the trapping went very much against them. They were trapping Anthony Simons at half court, which is a bit egregious. But... They had a well-timed double teams tonight, like the one on Jimmy Butler on the left wing. Like, that was a well-timed one. It gave Cam Thomas time to get back to the opposite corner and get back to his guy. But at least now they're mixing up the defensive rotations a bit more. They're not being stubborn about drop coverage, drop coverage. Like, they're doing more at least. Um, So hopefully we see more of that going forward. But, yeah, I don't expect much to change. We'll see if a trade happens. I feel like until a trade happens or or Jock Vaughn gets fired, which I don't see happening anytime soon, until that happens, I just think this team is in some trouble. Like, let's be honest. They're just not a good team. So, anyway, I'll try to talk to you guys maybe after the Sunday game. I mean, football season's over for the Giants, so there's more time on Sundays now. So either after the Clippers game on Sunday or after that Knicks game on Tuesday, one of those days I'll make a uh, Nets reaction. So maybe they'll win, but probably not. So we'll see. Hope you all enjoyed the video. Leave a like, of course, and I'll talk to you guys next time.